0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, welcome this morning. Is the Lord good? Amen? Amen. I really am excited that you're here today. You came the week after Easter, so just give yourself a round of applause, right? Yeah, good job. Proud of everybody. Uh, really cool what God has been doing. Um, like Chandler mentioned, it's been amazing. In fact, Delaney and I, our, our, our children's director, actually met with Tonalea this week, and they've given us this huge space. We're going to be sharing an opportunity uh, with you guys, a huge space to build basically a family resource center at Tonalea, where we can come in and engage with families and encourage them and, and really speak life into them and provide them with needs for them and people getting out of the shelter. So so it's, it's a huge, um, we're going to take a huge step of faith and believe the Lord to provide. But every time we do that, just big things are happening. So, um, man, it's, it's really awesome. And like Chandler said, we got Alpha. I, I really want to encourage you guys. Um, Katie shared me a statistic that 80% of people who come to Alpha, especially if they've never encountered Christ, will leave Alpha uh, with a relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, maybe uh, you've been in church for a while, or maybe you're newer to, to, to faith. And you have some questions and you want to learn and you want to grow. Maybe you've been in church for like 20 years, but you still really feel like those foundational elements you never really got and you really need them, but you almost feel embarrassed to ask at this point because you've like led a small group, right? Uh, can I just say, can we just be kind and gracious people and say Alpha is an amazing place for people of all stages of life to come and engage and ask the questions that are truly on their heart. If you have never been to church before, you're joining us on online. And maybe you have been asking questions and you have not, maybe you're part of, uh, of a different tradition and you've been asking questions and not getting the answers that you feel like really are going to affect your life. Come come to alpha we have it in English and we have it in Spanish and that is just gonna be an incredible opportunity uh, you can sign up online but some big stuff happening today we just decided the week after Easter to pack in another crazy week right so uh, today after church we have our leadership lunch uh, we've been doing leadership lunches and it's been a blast uh, to celebrate together and to learn and grow I hope you guys have been enjoying it uh, we talked about core values and developing personal core values so we're gonna finish that up today at our leadership lunch, and then talk about um, studying Scripture. How do I really go deeper in the Word of God? And we're going to give you a tool called Lectio Divina, which is a really classic tool for studying Scripture with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to come, uh, be empowered. I encourage you sign up on the Church Center app register. We're going to be grilling up some burgers and, and hooking it up for that. And then tonight, I, I'm really excited because I haven't played on a worship team in a long time, but uh, I get to uh, lead worship with our worship pastor Alec tonight uh, as we do Presence night and. We're going to intercede over those ministries. We're going to believe for some things, so I'm very excited. I've been taking allergy medicine to try to make sure my voice is ready, you know, <laughs> but it's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, day. Uh, we are in our series called Undefeated Love. I just apparently decided to wear all of my Undefeated Love clothes at the same time. <laughs> We has, I think we still have, like, a bunch of hats and shirts. You can go buy them out in the lobby. Um, they're pretty dope. Good job. Good job, team. You did. You picked, like, an actual real shirt. You know what I'm talking about. Remember the church shirt? They shrink up to, like, a crop top halfway through. He did a good job. This is, like, a real T-shirt. Thank you. Um... <laughs> uh. But I am really excited to jump into this. We are talking about really how God's standard for love not only makes us better, but it makes our relationships better. And so as we talk about different topics in this sermon series, you might be in a different stage. But can I tell you, biblical truth is still biblical truth. And so it might not be exactly in the stage that you're in in life, and yet it can still resonate and speak the principles of godliness into your life. Right? So as I speak on things, whether it be dating, relationship, attraction, marriage, you might be in a various range of those seasons, and yet the truth of the word still rings true, and godly standards still rings true, and establishing good leadership of yourself, meaning being led by God well, still brings life and freedom and hope and joy. That is what a relationship with Jesus should bring. It shouldn't bring sorrow and devastation. It should bring joy and hope and renewal. And so that's what we're going to talk. But we're going to start today talking about attraction. Someone say attraction. Attraction. And we're going to jump into the book of the Song of Solomon. So, if you brought your Bible, open up. Um, I remember when I first started going to church, we would, if we were sitting uh, in the church, we'd open our Bibles, the Song of Solomon, because it had all the verses uh, about love, and we would use them as a way to, to joke with other people. I don't know, it's just being a middle school boy. Um, but the Song of Solomon uh, is really a story of how two people are looking and walking through poetically attraction and relationship and love, and what we're gonna look at today is kind of two people looking back on attraction. It's interesting that word attraction, um, because our I don't think our culture really knows what to do with attraction doesn't really know what to do with relationships, doesn't really know what to do with dating. I got to be honest, I started dating my wife when I was 17 years old, and I'm so glad uh, that I did, because I would be no good in this world of dating right now. Uh, I I don't manage apps well, I don't think I present super well on the internet, Uh, (laughs) and and to be honest like i talk to enough young men who and women who go on these apps to say man you know i saw the picture and then we met and i think <laughs> i think that was a stock image <laughs> right it, it it is a chaotic world dating and attraction and connectivity and trying to understand you know how we how we grow, but I met my wife in high school, and uh, I thought she was so cool when I met her. She didn't think so, but I thought she was so cool, and she was like this, like, super cool, like, kind of punk kid that went to all these band shows, and I thought that was so cool. She would mosh, like, you know, like, in the mosh pit, like, with people. Like, she's so red, but that's what she was, and she would wear Dickies and band t-shirts. She was so legit, Uh, and I was super into her, and so I was, like, trying to be cool, so I remember our our very first conversation, uh, I was like trying to show that, like, yeah, I don't like care about stuff, like I'm like, I'm cool, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm punk, I'm not, I was not punk at all, this full-on suburban, like normal kid who liked soccer, like there's nothing less punk than soccer, uh, and so I was like, they were talking about clothes, and I was like, yeah, I just don't really like care where I get my clothes, I go like Target or whatever, like this is before all middle-aged white women were obsessed with Target, okay, Target... <laughs> This was before this, okay? Before a uh, chip and Joanna, this is before this. So I was like, I yeah, I just get myself a Target like champion switchers or whatever. And she was like, I get my clothes at the thrift store. And I was like, oh man, she's way too cool for me. <laughs> if you didn't know, like in in the in the in that world, that was like super cool. You had like fully rejected coolness. It was like so rejecting of cool that it's cool. And I thought, man, she is so cool. So I was very attracted to her almost immediately. Like, almost immediately, she had, did you have red hair at that point? She had red hair. Guys, she had red hair in 2004. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. Lots of different colored hair now. Not in 2004. That was was like 17 years ago. Oh my gosh, 17 years ago. She had red hair. I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. My parents liked her. That was a big win. Um... (laughs) Uh, but i was very attracted to her and i got to say can I, I as as a church and as we look biblically attraction is good right attraction is good we were we were created to be attracted to other people like attraction is a good thing but there is healthy attraction and unhealthy attraction i would say the attraction i had to my future wife was was healthy and you know maybe a little obsessive because i just loved her so much the minute i saw her um and, But there's healthy attraction and there is unhealthy attraction. What I see so much of nowadays is advertising and social media promoting unhealthy attraction. Using the elements of attraction to promote want, discontent, longing, these kind of things. But there really is godly good attraction. Or there was a movie called Fatal Attraction, which is a terrible movie. But I want to talk today about faithful attraction. What is good Godly attraction. How do I, how do I become attracted to somebody? How do I put good standards in relationships? How do I grow and establish that? And if I'm in a relationship, how do I reestablish that today? So I want to talk, uh, jump into Scripture, and I'm going to start with Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. If you didn't bring your Bibles, the words are going to be on the screen. Um, I, took, I sent this verse to my wife. I, I was texting her today, or and when I was in the room, and she was up here in the cafe, and I said, hey, I just feel like uh, God has really put a verse. Oh, they already put it up. Well, the joke's ruined, so. <laughs> I feel like God has really put a verse on my heart for you, and then I texted her this verse, and she came back, and she just goes, Really? Really? Song of Solomon uh, 1, verse 2 says, let, me ki- let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Just commit that to your heart. Wives, there you go. Husbands, I'm doing you a favor here. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Amen. Should we just altar call? What are we doing? I want to talk about attraction. Attraction's a good thing. Here are four qualities of attraction. If you're writing notes, let's just start with number one together. We're going to talk about attraction and, but I want to read to you. Let's read that whole chunk again real quick. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Amen. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Okay, let's talk about this. What, what is really attracting this woman to this man right here? There's a lot of, like, oil and chambers. Like, I want to kind of, you know, di- dissect this here a little bit and explain what they're saying. Because it's poetry, so we're reading someone's love poem, so we kind of have to understand contextually what's happening. So what, what attracted them? Was it just, like, she was a super hottie, or, like, he was just a total stud? He was just shredded? No, what attracted them right off the bat that we see here is godly character. Number one, if you're writing down four qualities of, of faithful attraction. Number one, look for godly character. Number one, look for godly character. Verse three says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. That's an interesting phrase. Well, in the ancient Near East, in this time, in this place, uh, anointing oil— uh, was used for all kinds of things. Oil was used for fuel for lamps. It was um, used to anoint priests for a ceremonial task. It was used for bathing, because at the time people didn't just like hop in the shower and take showers all the time, and it's it can be quite warm, and so if it is quite warm, and you're in a mostly sandal society, and you know, some garb, and you're walking around and, you know, the different breathable fabrics, you can get a little stinky. Okay? And so they would pour oil to mask you know like the junior hires with the axe body spray they just like they stink but they think like eight cans of this should do it right it's like, like you can you can do it all you want man you still smell like an old toe right this is the good version of that where they would take these fragrant beautiful oils and pour it over their head uh, but it also is very expensive. Uh, if, you, if you remember a while ago, we talked about in Scripture when the, this woman comes in and breaks a bottle of uh, fragrance on Jesus' feet. And Judas is like irate. He's like, that was worth a year's wages. So expensive stuff. And there's also some wordplay happening here. Uh, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is an oil poured out. Because the Hebrew word for name is shemka. And the Hebrew word for oil is shemen. So when she's saying your name, the word there really is reputation. She's They're just being poetic. What she's saying here is the same thing it says in Ecclesiastes 7. A good name is better than precious ointment. The woman's saying, you have a good name. You have a godly reputation. And women want you because you have a good reputation. Women, we'll just let's talk for a moment. Look for a man with a good reputation. Amen. I don't know why such amazing women of God. I've seen this all throughout ministry settle for such complete ding-dongs. You know, I got um just we had to let that rest. Like they are just like powerful, they're preaching, this guy comes in total ding-dong right? And he's like, oh, I just love him so much. It's like, why? It's like, oh, you don't know him like I do. It's like, yeah, for good reason. (laughs) But importantly, I just want to say, regardless of looks, appearance, value, whatever, look for a man with godly character. How do you know, then, if they have godly character? How do you assess if they have godly character? I'm going to give you one just kind of sneak peek way. Look at their friends. How do you know if a man has godly character? Look at their friends. We used to say in young adults ministry all the time, your tribe will become your vibe, and your vibe will become your tribe. It's a self-fulfilling circle, right? You hang out with certain people, you'll become like them, you'll attract more. That's how it works, right? Look at their friends. Listen, if they claim to follow Jesus, it should be evident in their friends, Women, if you are looking for a godly man, he should have godly friends. And if he doesn't have godly friends, that, that might be a sign. Listen, I'm not saying he's not going to have friends who are mission fields. He's not going to have friends who are just in it and in the grind. That he's not going to be a work in progress. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying you want to have friends who are fresh out of prison. I'm not saying you want to have friends who are overcoming addiction. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, don't date a man who doesn't have accountability. Don't date somebody who doesn't have godly accountability. Because if he's not willing to submit to godly accountability, then the likelihood he has consistent godly character is very low. And at least you just can't be certain. Again, it doesn't mean that he won't be, uh, he's going to be perfect. I just mean, we need, if I, again, if I would advise my daughter in something, I'd say, listen, and she's like, hey, I love this guy, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start dating him, or I like this guy, we're going to start dating him, and say, okay, great, who is he accountable to? And if he's accountable to no one, why would I, why would I trust my daughter with him? Man, who are you accountable to? Godly character is birthed through accountability first thing is we got to look for godly character. That's what they look for. People say, well, I was with a Christian and they were terrible to me. This is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what someone calls themselves, right? You can call yourself a Christian and not be one. I can call myself a potato. I'm still a human being, right? It's going to be evident in my actions, If they don't have a godly heart, if they don't treat you, treat others, prioritize the Lord. If they don't have godly accountability, if they don't have men holding them accountable, listen, they don't have godly character. Because those things are linked, they're biblical, they're true. It's revealed. Jesus tells us, they'll know that you love me by how you love others. And if you see them not loving others like Jesus, then it's very likely that they don't love Jesus. And it's also very likely they are not going to love you like Jesus wants you to be loved. Look for godly character. Proverbs 12, 4, men and women, look at this. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. I didn't write that. That was the Bible. (laughs) Don't come up to me after and be mad at me. The Bible wrote this. (laughs) So the story so far, they meet, they're attracted, right? The first thing that she noticed is his godly reputation, and we're going to read in a second. Now she starts kind of opening up about who she is. What you'll notice in a moment is what she doesn't do is she doesn't, like, emotionally vomit her life story on him, right? <laughs> I, was this, uh, I was speaking at this conference, and we were talking about connectivity, and, and someone was like, well, how come we just, you know, like, wh- why, do we, why do we talk? Why do we make small talk? Why do we do this? Like, we should just be able to come in and just, like, dump everything. It's like, you know, come in and be like, what's your deepest fear? And I was like, no. They're like, why not? It's like, because I don't know you. Like, yeah, but we're all brothers in Christ. Like, yeah, but I don't trust you. And they were, like, offended by that. It's like, I literally don't know your name. (laughs) Like, like, how would I know if you're trustworthy, right? Trust builds intimacy. So you're going to see a progression here in the process of she doesn't spill this, but as she begins to walk through, she begins to reveal her insecurities. She begins to uh, trust his character and then reveal her insecurities. Okay, you still with me? Okay, second thing. So we look for godly character. The second thing is that we build godly trust. Build godly trust. Let's read it. Song of Solomon 1, 5 through 6. She says, remember, this this is a back and forth. So I'll tell you when who's saying what. But in your scripture, you might see it. will say like loved, beloved, and then friends. That's the formula. They're writing back and forth, and then they're getting counsel from their friends. But uh, she says in verse 5, I am very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. She says, Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. She says, Don't look at me, don't stare at me, because I am self conscious about the color of my skin. She says, I'm like the tents. I'm like the curtains of the tents. Now, the curtains of the tents at the time, they were very dark as a way to absorb heat and then release heat um, throughout the day and night. And so she's saying very clearly, like, I have very dark skin. See, in our culture, people fly from all over the country to come here to lay out to look like tanned leather, right? (laughs) Everybody comes from Minnesota and Wisconsin to just hopefully get enough brown and not red, and they're all laid out, right? I mean, that's what our industry is built off, is tanning. People want to be tan. They want to be dark. They want that dark skin. But in this time, having dark skin was actually not as preferable as having light skin. Because if you had dark skin, it was because you worked outside. And if you had light skin, it was because you had money and stayed inside. And so because of standards of beauty are ever shifting, making the lives of women consistently exhausting, uh, then this time, this period, you didn't want to be tanned. You would go to untanning booths. Um, <laughs> I think those are called caves. And uh, <laughs> you, they didn't want to have dark skin. And so what she's saying very clearly is like, I am self-conscious about my skin. Men, listen to me. I know, I, I know the, the woman you found is so beautiful. And you think, how could she ever think there's anything wrong with her? But I, let me tell you. Every woman, no matter how beautiful, most beautiful woman in the world, every person has some kind of insecurity, right? Every person has some kind of insecurity. No matter how beautiful she is, there is going to be something she does not like about herself. And as men, our desire is like to fix that because we think it's bananas. Like, what are you, like, you know, what are you talking about? You were the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Literally changed nothing. I love you. You're amazing. You're, that's how you should feel, just so you know, right? If you're married to someone who doesn't feel that way, you know, we'll do counseling after this. But... <laughs> But there there still is some kind of insecurity there. But hear me, it's not our job to do one of two things. It's not our job, men, to fix her insecurity, to try to make her fix it, nor, nor is it our job to lock her into her insecurity in a way that kind of negatively affirms these untruths she's speaking about herself. Right? So it's not to fix it. And it's not to lock her into this insecurity by negatively affirming that part of her. So what do we do? Men, we need to, you need to love her through her insecurity. You need to love her through her insecurity. The woman says, I am insecure about my skin. You know, my wife, uh, when, w- when we met, uh, now my wife is like incredibly stylish. When you look at Katie, she's shaking her head right now. See, the insecurity. Uh, <laughs> My wife is incredibly stylish, right? Can we agree? Okay, yes, very stylish. People come up like, I love your style. I didn't have the confidence to wear this, but I saw you wearing it, so now I wear it. Very stylish, very cool. But it wasn't always that way. Did not have that confidence, was not given that confidence. And so when we met, she was not confident about wearing anything that at the time she would have considered to be girly. And there's nothing wrong with that, but she wanted to grow through that insecurity. And over time, it's like my mission to encourage and empower her and to reveal and encourage her beauty and to strengthen her and to love her through it. Not to fix it, but to love her through it. And so the, the woman that is powerful that you guys see all the time, I've seen that growth from insecure to strong and confident. And so I want to encourage you guys that it's possible, but it takes time to love someone through their insecurity. And she does the same for me. She empowers me and encourages me in my dreams and in my heart. Where most people will be like, that's not possible. That, and I hear so much in my life, you can't do that. That's not possible. She's always been empowering. So in my insecurity of not being enough, she, rather than tell me to ignore it or to fix it, loves me through that insecurity. Do you see why that's important? We all come with insecurities, But when there is godly character, you can begin to build godly trust. And in building godly trust, there is freedom from insecurities. Solomon and and, uh, the Shulamite woman, that's, that's the woman that he's talking to here, the woman that he's going after. They are attracted by godly character, and then they begin to build godly trust. And here's what's next. Number three, you can write this down. Establish godly standards someone hand me a tissue. I'm, like, dying up here. Thanks, Palo Verde Trees. Thank you, man. Establish godly standards. Here's the deal. We live in an unhealthy culture of relationships and marriages, and it is statistically evident that that culture is unhealthy. There's, there's this really false statistics floating around that's, like, divorce in the church is higher than in the world. That is literally not true. Like, it's 50 percent not true. It's actually in much lower than unchurched. Uh, That statistic, I don't know, I hear pastors mention this all the time because I think it's very shocking. It's untrue. Here's the reality. If you want something different than the world has to offer, then you have to do something different. Right? We have to have a different standard. In verse 7, I love this. This is a strong woman. I like strong women. My wife is a strong woman. I I like it. She sets the standard and she calls it like she sees it. She says, verse 7, tell me, You whom my soul loves, where where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? What she's saying here is, why should I be like everyone else? Uh, In in this time, women, uh, they would follow men around and the pastures around, and they would veil themselves, and then they would exchange sexual favors for whatever they needed. And she's saying... I'm not going to follow you around like a prostitute giving you sex whenever you want it. Give me what I want and what I need and be a strong person. Like, get it, girl, right? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not your booty call. That's what she's saying. She's saying, listen, you're a great guy, and women might throw themselves at you, and you're handsome, and you're wealthy, but I'm not like other women. I have a different standard. And if you want something different, you got to do something different. You got to be something different. And she says, I'm different. And she says, if you want me, there are some godly standards that we're going to have to meet. Listen, people who are dating, stop with the checklist. Stop with the, the marks you're putting down. to them. You need a godly standard list. You need a godly standard list. You can learn to love the sport they love. (laughs) <laughs> but you cannot, you cannot affect godly standards. So I'm going to give you three. These are, these are my standards. I'm going to give you three. I believe these are biblical. You ready? Okay. These are from the Word, so you're going to give me grace here. I mean, or not, whatever. Uh, that's your choice. But I'm going to give you three. Here are three standards. These are my standards. You want something else, you go somewhere else. All right, three. Ready? One, I will not sacrifice my relationship with God to keep you ever That's a good one. These are things I'm teaching my daughter. I will not sacrifice my relationship with God to keep you ever. You draw me from God, I'm not sticking with you. You draw me near God, that works for me. You draw me from God, no. You draw me near God, okay, now we're talking. Okay, number two, I will not compromise God's standards. I don't care. If the whole world has reevaluated sexuality, I follow the biblical standard of sexuality, sex, and sex before marriage. I have a higher standard. God's standard motivates me to sexual purity. I'm not going to love sexual desire more than I love you more than I love God, right? I'm not going to love my, the, the fulfillment of my own desires. I'm going to be better than just a stray dog humping whatever comes around. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be self-sustained and self-disciplined. And if you can't marry somebody who's disciplined, you might want to pause. I'm going to set God's standards. Listen, I just want to encourage you. If there's not self-discipline, if there's not a deep love of God, I want to say that there's a link missing there. So I will not sacrifice my relationship with God to keep you. I will not compromise God's standards. Everyone sit with me? Okay, good. I will not play house. Okay, please, come on. (laughs) Some of you guys are going to have to forgive me like halfway through this message. I will not play house. You are not a car I'm test driving. You are a child of God. Just then I have a daughter. I have never taken this more seriously till I had a daughter. And someone was like, Yeah, well, you know, it's like, how do you know if you love her till you test her out? And I was like, We are literally gonna throw hands right now for someone else's daughter. <laughs> like like I've never been protective till I had a daughter. I just did not have that attitude in me. And then I had kids and now I'm just like I'm a protective person. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? Like I cry now. You know, like, I'm so glad I had a daughter first. Like, I didn't know where I wanted to live. When I had a daughter, I like, started crying, and I was like, What is this? Right? <laughs> she does things, and I was and like, There's just something about it. And so for me, it was right off the bat, it was like, Listen, I don't care if anyone, everyone else is sleeping together, same bed, same place, playing house. We don't pretend in this relationship. This is a real relationship. You will never have to guess if I'm serious. Listen, women, men of God. We got to have those standards. If you want to see me in this bed, then I want to see you buy a ring. I want to see you go to premarriage counseling. I want to see you set a date. I want to see you walk down the aisle. I want to see you make a commitment to the Lord, and then you're going to see me all up in here. But before that, I want to see a whole bunch of other stuff, right? We got to be better if we want better. They're so like, well, it's just, you know, finances are hard. financial restrictions. restrictions. Like, so what you're telling me is like, he's broken, unprepared for you. And so you think that makes it a better reason for you to violate the principles of God. It's like, yeah, but you don't know real estate prices. And I'm like, yeah, but God does. Right? Like, I know it's just so hard. It's financially difficult. It's like, is it biblical? Is it, that's what matters, right? It doesn't matter. You can find someone to affirm anything, Right? Posted up at the internet, people like, "Yes, oh yeah, the church is so judgmental that they wouldn't let you do this." It's like those people don't care for your soul. I care for your soul. That's why I'm willing for you to get angry at me, so that I can tell you this. The week after Easter, the reality is, if we want better, we got to be better. We have to have those standards. Listen, men, if you can't get your own place, then you shouldn't be marrying somebody because you can't provide, and you need to be a provider. And if you can't provide a home, then you need to start there. Start there. I'm not saying don't go in on the rent together. I'm just saying you got to start somewhere. you got to have a standard. Women, expect a man who can care for you. I don't care if you make more than him. He still shouldn't be broke. Okay, we're all still friends. If you want a different result, you have to have a different approach. Godly relationship requires godly standards. And, and more important than that, biblical standards. I don't want to go off too much on that because I don't want to hit on that. I don't want to be heavy-handed. I don't want to be heavy today. But I really, again, I want to hit this progression where they had very clear godly standards. And in a world where their standards are so subjective, we got to be prepared ahead of time with godly standards. Because, man, when those, when when all of those uh, emotions and chemicals start flowing and you're like, you know what, baby, we're just going to do this, right? We need that space of saying, no, listen, I want something different, so I'm going to do something something different. I'm going to be something different. I'm going to have something that lasts. Why have I been together for 17 years? And honestly, I mean, it's mostly because of her. Uh, <laughs> but I believe in godly standards and what that stands for. Number four. Okay, here's a progression. Godly He said, oh, you're like purified oil, I'm attracted. They build godly trust, begin to talk about insecurities. They begin to practice godly standards. And number four, grow with godly encouragement. I love this. They build each other up. Man, be with somebody that builds you up. Right? Jesus came to restore and renew. His love is a symbol of renewal and strength and love and care. If you're encountering love that's not that, then it might not be love. Song of Solomon 1-9, here's what it says, verse 9. I compare you, my love, to a mare among the Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. What a compliment. Did you see that? Hey, babe, I compare you to a horse. <laughs> Single guys, please do not try that. <laughs> like, you're looking super horsey. <laughs> pharaoh's ph- pharaohs' horses, they'd be like, okay, cool. <laughs> It's the worst Uber ride of their life, right? Don't lead with that. I don't know how strong your pickup game is, but it's not that strong. Uh, Let me explain. Pharaoh's horses, they were kind of this— again, remember this is poetry. So they were this kind of folk icon, so to speak. And they were—Pharaoh's horses, literally at the time, uh, were these like beautiful white horses. And people— thought in their mind, wrongfully so, but they thought in their mind like, these are the horses of deities. Almost that the horses themselves were deities. They were like from the supernatural. They were beautiful and majestic and kind of scary and the, the pharaohs were considered to be gods and all that. So he's kind of referencing this folk idea, but what he's saying is Solomon obviously does not believe these horses were gods because the god he served smashed them into the ground under the weight of billions of tons of water. But he believes uh, that he's just kind of taking this folk Motif of these horses to basically say, you are the purest taste of deity this side of heaven, right? Like you are God's greatest gift to me. Like, girl, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Right? <laughs> you know, like, that's what he's saying, but in like a better, a better way than that. <laughs> but he starts speaking blessings into our life. And what I love is like as he's speaking, she starts blossoming, she starts opening up. This is how healthy relationships should work. If you speak life, the other person should blossom. I can see this in my own relationship. You know, I I never, I talked about my wife, but I never really... um, Knew what being a pastor would be like, you know when I was younger I had people say like oh, you know You have a calling to ministry and so I just kind of was like yeah, that sounds awesome Like I want to be a pastor and so when I was a kid I was like i'm gonna play soccer for dc united and i'm gonna be a pastor And like I had no idea what it would take to do either of those Um turns out didn't make it on the team. Uh, but you know still praying god can move mountains. Nothing's impossible (laughs) They're gonna have to really lower their standards, but you never know our god is mighty um but then the other thing was to be a pastor. But you know, as I became a pastor, I um I I think I, I had that insecurity that I was not like other church people, that I didn't look that way. I didn't talk that way. I didn't like know this background or have these thoughts. I didn't like feel like I always fit in, in church, uh, with other pastors. I don't look good in skinny jeans. I've never had rips in the holes of my jeans purposely. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've, I've only ever worn clothes, ironically, two or three times. Uh, I did lead worship. Uh, I do own a jean jacket. But, you know, I, I, I never really knew if I fit in. I went to University of Washington. I went to a very liberal school for my undergrad uh, for philosophy, which already was like so different than my friends were like, I'm going for youth ministry. I'm going for youth ministry. I'm going for youth ministry. I'm like, philosophy. They're like, why? It's like, well, I mean, none of us are getting paid, so what does it matter, right? <laughs> youth ministry, philosophy, none of us are making any money. Uh And so I always felt like a little bit like it wasn't my place. And so even in becoming a lead pastor, uh, I, I had those insecurities about, you know, being the right person and being in that space. And everyone's like, man, listen, after your second year, it gets so much easier. So my third year rolls around and I'm ready to celebrate in March my third year. And do you remember what happened in March last year? It got so much easier, right? <laughs> it got so much easier to pastor uh, a year ago in March. COVID, in case you're wondering. Uh, you just came to earth right now. Uh, COVID happened. Um. And so my wife, though, in the whole time, because, you know, wrestling with self-doubt and, you know, just really trying to be enough and be there and be in everything and never making anyone happy. Uh, my wife is just such an encourager, and I really receive love as words of encouragement. My wife is such an encourager, and she was, like, literally encouraging me the whole time. Sometimes the encouragement was, like, stop whining, but a lot of times the encouragement was, like, you can do this. I'm proud of you. I love, you know, what you're doing. She's speaking life into me and as she spoke words of affirmation and began to speak life to me and encourage me and, and and speak into my heart my heart began to change and there's a difference I think between arrogance and confidence is that it wasn't arrogance of like I'm great I'm amazing it was a confidence of like man this person who has all the power to say something cruel to me and destroy me has chosen to speak love and life into me even though I'm doing things that could probably totally annoy her right now she's chosen to be a, a life speaker. And so, as she speaks life, I'm like, "Okay, you know what? we can do this. We can believe for big things." And so a lot of the vision that has poured out into this church, where we have seen God move in mighty ways, is because of the affirmation of my wife. Even though she doesn't get paid, she she is the most supportive, the most pastoring person in pastoring me in that space. Listen, find somebody who pastors your heart with words of encouragement. Amen? Can we celebrate my wife, by the way? Listen, show me a great marriage, and I will show you a couple that encourages one another. Show me a great marriage, I'll show you a couple that encourages one another. Show me me a struggling marriage, and I guarantee you more discouraging words are being shared than encouraging words. Say like, well, we, we share discouraging words, we have a good marriage. Go back and ask again. Because man, where there are words of encouragement... There's a great marriage. People are like, well, I'm not a natural encourager. Try. Just try. You can do it. All right? You're not building a rocket. You're not Eli Musk. You just have to say nice things. You're like, well, I think them. I don't say them. Say them. Like, yeah, I'm not a super verbal person. That's okay. Do it. Right? We can do that. I don't like to die to myself. But guess what? That's part of the deal, too. That is a part of who we are. We are called to do things. And if the limit of my relational integrity is what I feel comfortable or uncomfortable with, then I'm not ready to be in a relationship. If you feel like, man, I want to speak encouragement, speak it. And I love how this couple right here encourages each other. The Song of Solomon is not just a story about sex, it's not just a story about love. It's all of these relational things tied in together, right? They, they're they not isolated. I know our culture says they are, but they're not isolated. They all work together. Song of Solomon one twelve. here's what he says. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. Just try. We'll make it through. My nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved to me, uh, a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. Okay, any teenagers here? Oh, no, we're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't... Right? Some young man, you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want to be a sachet of myrrh today. (laughs) Right? Please come back to church. Please. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It says, my beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. Um, A woman would wear a sachet, a little satchel of myrrh uh, when they went to bed. So that when they got up in the morning, they would take it off and kind of imprinted right here. It would be this fragrant aroma resonating from their breasts. <laughs> it was laughing. Like I didn't. Yeah, anyways. That, that, that <laughs> and anyway, will keep going. Calm down. <laughs> okay. So that it would, it would uh, bring this aroma that would be pleasing uh, to the people around. And look. Uh, he replies, obviously. Of course he replies. She just hit him with, like, a pretty fire line. He replies, 15 says, beautiful, or behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you're beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Okay, again, cultural pickups right here. Your eyes are like birds, (laughs) but eyes are like doves. They're they're, they're soft. They're beautiful. Remember, she's self-conscious about her looks. Remember that? So he's beginning to speak about her looks, right? He's not trying to just get in her pants. He's trying to affirm the person he loves, right? Your eyes are like doves. Listen, uh, how would—let me make sure I say this right. If he is talking about her eyes, what is he looking at? Her eyes. You know what he's not looking at? His phone. Men, some of you would have a better relationship if you looked at her eyes and stopped looking at your phone. Some of you would have better integrity and purity if you started looking at her eyes and not your phone. Some of you would have better sex if you started looking at her eyes, her eyes, and not your phone. Can I just encourage you? Be present with the woman who God has given as a present to you, as a beautiful blessing in your life. Be present. You will not get that time back. No one on your phone cares. No one on your phone cares about you. Your wife, the person staring at you, looking at you, cares about you. Look in her eyes. Look her in the eye. So she's got the sachet of myrrh. She's got this aroma. He's really focusing on her eyes. (laughs) It's not a mistake. He's like, I'm looking right here, your eyes. (laughs) Verse 16, it says, Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. So she speaks back. (laughs) <laughs> I don't da- Oh man Yeah, I no, that one is a little random It turns out, yeah Yeah, I don't know, it was on her Pinterest board I don't know why. <laughs> we, we can't cover all the analogy here I'm only one person She speaks back, she says We have a green couch, but also You're handsome, you're beautiful Right, they're speaking back and forth The foundation's been built on godly character There's godly trust as they open up about their insecurities. They begin to love them away. They have a different standard than everyone else. So they begin to build one another up with encouraging words. And here is the result from her perspective. Here's what he's done. You guys ready for this? Here is like the fruit of this work. You're like, that sounds like work. Here's the fruit. Two things. One, she feels special she knows that he loves her. Look at this. Uh, Just go to chapter 2, verse 1. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. Verse 2, as a lily among brambles, brambles, so is my love among young women. She says, I know that I am the one. And he says, yeah, that's right. She's like, I know there's a confidence there, right? Look at the growth. Chapter one, I'm insecure. Don't look at me. Don't see me, right? Don't look at my skin. I'm insecure. I'm not sure about myself and about my body. Look at chapter two. It's like, I'm a flower. I'm out here. I am the rose of the rose. Girl, look at me. You know, like, she's about it, right? She is confident. Why? Why? Because he loved her into that feeling. He didn't neglect her insecurities. He didn't just try to fix them. He loved her in that moment. He spoke lovingly and caringly to her. Listen, men, one of the greatest things we can do is love our wives into the feeling of knowing that they're special. You're like, I'm not married. Well, look, look for somebody who does this, who loves, <laughs> loves you into the feeling that you're special. So, uh, verse four, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Look at the pursuit there. He brought me into a banquet. She's like, he called me. He's like, put on your best dress, girl. We're going on a date. You're gonna look fine. You're gonna look good. We're gonna go to the banquet house. We're gonna throw a huge party. He took me out. I feel special. He's proud to be with me. His banner over me is love. Like he's like announcing, I'm proud to be with her. I'm, I'm proud of, of her as she is. Not like proud of who I think I could change her to. All right, he's proud of her. He loves her. He celebrates her. I think too often. How many of us spent a ton of time pursuing and dating and loving our wives, and then we married and we stopped pursuing and dating them? It's like, well, you're stuck with me now because God says. But can I encourage you? Don't stop loving and pursuing each other. Don't stop. Don't stop loving and pursuing each other. Find a way. Make it happen. Find a way to love and pursue and encourage. Listen, your wife is your first mission field. Your wife is your first mission field. Before your kids, before sports, before your games, before your phone, never stop communicating to your wife how special she is. She deserves that. She's a child of God. She is your very first mission field. If you do not steward that mission field, all the rest of it falls apart and goes away. Make sure she feels special. The second thing she feels is so cool is she feels secure, he makes her feel safe. look at uh, verse three it says as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men with great delight. I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste okay we're going to take all these in a second uh the 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 word that you might have here is a uh, rest in his shade that's a little more literal. I rest in his shade. she ate of his fruit. You can imply what that means uh, on your own but uh Go back to what was her insecurity? It was her skin. It was the color of her skin from what? Being out in the sun. And she says, but when I'm with you, I rest in the shade. My insecurities are covered. I feel safe. I feel good here. I feel like I can rest here. Now I'm protected. I'm safe. Listen, man, if you want your wife to really blossom, make her feel secure. How do we make her feel secure? Oh, you have a role. Here's your role. You ready? Man, this is for you. So women, you you can hold it. You can just look at him and elbow if you need to, whatever. You, okay, three things real quick. You are her pastor. If you lead your family outside of God's standards, she will be insecure. If you seek the heart of God, she will be secure. Now, I'm not saying be a theologian, right? I'm not saying, like, you got to be Paul. I'm saying that we need to seek God. We need to be led by God. We need to read the word, pray. We need to follow what God says and lead our family in it. That is your responsibility. You're like, I'm single. Good, it's even easier. It's just you. But you're setting the standard right now. What you do right now, the disciplines you put in right now, are so key. If you want to be the kind of person that the kind of person you want to date likes to date, then this is how you start. You are her pastor. Second, you are her provider. I understand we're in an age where men and women both work, and in your relationship, um, again, I'm just speaking to men here, your wife might make more than you, and that's awesome. Way way to go. I, mean, I think it's incredible. Um, yeah, Katie, you're welcome to make more than me if you'd like. Um, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you're like, pay me. Yeah, I know. Uh, but again, I You as a leader, regardless of where you sit in the status of your financial input, need to lead your family toward financial stability. Are you with me? Lead them towards financial stability. So many fights. I I see this over. and over. The man wants to spend money, and the woman wants to steward money. So here's what happened. The man goes, well, my wife won't let me. I don't really think that's how that's working, right? Is that really how that's working? So what happens is the man says, well, she won't let me spend this money on the thing I want to spend. We see this in (laughs) counseling all the time. She won't let me spend the money I want to spend. I'm like, well, do you have the money? I don't know. It's like, well, you know who you should be asking instead of your wife is your bank account. So you should be stewarding your finances. You should know. Don't turn your wife into your mom because you're too lazy to manage your finances. She's not your checklist. You don't need to check in with her. You need to lead your family into financial accountability. Well, she said no, so I I couldn't get it. How dare you put her in that position? Be man enough to make the own decisions for your money. Man, I know. I'm coming in hot here. It's okay. We can take it. You're men. You can take it. Or be a man and take it, right? You can do this. But, man, listen. Too many times I hear, well, I just got to check with my wife. She won't let me. You need godly standards for your money. And if you've not set godly standards for your money, be a man and set godly standards for your money. Don't hide behind your wife because she won't let you buy it. I've spoken this over my own life. So just let you know, I'm on these train tracks, too. Uh, (laughs) Right? Like, I need to know what's going on. And I think that's a big thing. We must be providers. It's not what you bring it in. It's how you're stewarding it. Be a steward of what God has given you. You want to see your wife just totally whacked out and crazy? Make her financially unstable. I'm not saying financial instability won't come. I'm saying you are making her financially unstable. Financial stability is just like a recipe for more conflict and less sex. And can I just encourage you married people? You don't want that. You want less conflict and more sex. Right? That's how we're going to grow this kids' ministry. (laughs) The third thing, you are her protector. You protect her physically, also emotionally. Listen, I'm not saying you got to be some hokey guy. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you guard her heart. You guard what you say about her. You guard what you say about her to her face You guard what you say about her to your children. You guard what you say about her to others. You guard her heart. You guard what other people say about her. If you love her like this, if you love her kids like this, if you are her pastor, her provider, her protector, if you protect her, you protect her heart. Listen, she will love you better than you ever deserve. Those women who are not married, you're like, that sounds nice. I would like that, right? You're like, I would love somebody who loved me like that. Please don't stop looking for that person. They're, they are out there. Don't settle. If they are not going to be your pastor, provider, protector, don't, don't settle. Because they do exist, and God has someone for you in your heart. Look at the result of this love. Here's what happens. They had the godly standard. They had the foundational kind of love. They love each other through insecurity. They had godly and trustworthy character. They, he, he has protected her. He's made her feel special. And now look what happens. Bad, you can come up. Verse 5. Sustain me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and with his right hand embraces me. Uh, Raisins and apple cakes were like considered an aphrodisiac in the time So she's saying basically like i'm into him. and I'm ready to Really seal the deal right now, right? They're in an embrace if you got someone's hand behind their head in an embrace Like they're laying down there in this place like they're about to just like lock it in right now And so we've seen this progression of this beautiful love of this couple in this loving position. She is overwhelmed with love for him. She's ready to give him her whole mind, her whole body, her whole heart in this moment in this really precious and beautiful space. And what's amazing is he is God's gift to her. She is God's gift to him. And because of the godly standard, this action, right, this space that they're walking in, that they're living in right now. Is pure and beautiful and godly. It's holy. It's from God. It is celebrated. It is rejoiced over their relationship and their love and all physical expressions of their love as a couple that has come together. This is Solomon's wife. They're celebrating this beautiful thing that God is doing. And they have a different result. There's no shame here in this space. There's no angst here. There's no sorrow. There's just joy Now they're embracing. We're going to talk about the other stuff later. <laughs> but I really want to encourage you this morning that as we look at relationships, if you want something different, you have to do something different. And the reason we started this series on Easter is because I believe that the love of Jesus dictates how we love others, how we love our spouse. But it starts with this, do I have a godly standard in my life? Have I set a godly standard for a relationship? Maybe you're in a relationship right now and you don't have a godly standard. My goal is to not bring judgment to you, but an opportunity for encouragement, repentance, renewal through Jesus Christ today. To say, listen, you know what? I will choose a godly standard. Maybe you're married and you're like, you know what? I have not been an encourager. I have not made her feel secure. I have not made her feel safe. I have not made her feel special. I have not him, made him feel special. I have not been an encourager to him. I have been nagging him and pushing And You know what? We just need just kind of a renewal of like, you know what? We're just going to set the godly standard for our relationship today. Both of us, we're going to commit to speaking life so that each other blossoms and is renewed today. That's the beautiful thing about the gathering as we come to this moment of repentance. Uh, Jesus, I lay everything down in renewal. God, give me the strength and the joy and the love that comes through the Holy Spirit. And that's for you today. So I want to invite you, would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes to me? I wanna pray for you in your relationship, whether you are in a relationship, whether you are wanting to begin a relationship, whether you aren't even thinking about relationship, but you still just want a standard. If you're saying today, I really wanna pursue godly standard for my relationship or my relationships this morning. And you're saying, I really wanna establish that and commit to God. Say, you know what, Lord, I wanna pursue godly standards for my relationship. I wanna set a foundation. I wanna pursue godly character. I wanna grow with godly encouragement. Say, I want that standard in my relationships. This isn't a moment of judgment. This is just a moment of unity. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're saying, man, I really want that godly standard for my relationship. Would you just lift your hands with me today? Say, I'm praying and believing for godly standards in my relationship. And I want to pray for you. And as I do, if you just need to lay something down to the Lord and just come to a moment of, you know what, God, I give you everything. With your hands lifted, this is an act of worship. This is an act of surrender. Just say, God, I give it to you. Maybe I've not been living according to your standard. I'm not here to, to condemn you. I'm here to release you and free you so that you can be free from shame and just say, I choose today to pursue a godly standard. I want to pray for you today in all things. Maybe you're just making a commitment in your own relationship. You have a good relationship, but you're like, you know what, I want to double down on God's standards. I want to pray for you today. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the love of Jesus would be so real and true in our relationships God for those right now who are saying you know what I have not been pursuing godly standards and I would like to Jesus I pray right now that they would lay down the things that they have been pursuing other than you in their relationship and that they would be renewed and restored right now in Jesus Christ we thank you that there is no condemnation in Jesus there is life and renewal when we lay down our shame at your feet you give us your life and Holy Spirit, I pray over these relationships, even over the next few weeks as we talk, God, I pray that there would be a strengthening and a commitment to godly standards, God, where there needs to be trust, would you build trust in the name of Jesus, where there needs to be encouragement, would you build encouragement in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray this morning, even for those who do not have relationships, God, that as they seek out godly character, that you would reveal those with godly character in their life, and that as they long for something different, that they would do something different, and that different thing is to pursue you fully with their heart and set a godly standard. We say, Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for how you love us, and we pray today that your love would be apparent in our life and how we love others. In Jesus' name, amen.